guys or gals that are pretend statues out in public. You know what I'm talking about? They're like fully painted. They look like a statue. They can be frozen for like seemingly hours at a time. And when an unsuspecting shopper or bystander walks by, they go, they jump out and scares the snot out of them. Have you seen any of those? Uh, those guys are awesome and terrifying at the same time. There's actually, I saw a video once of this man who his performance name was the Stone Men. And the reason it's the Stone Men, it's one guy, but he has four mannequins and they all look the same, like concrete statues. And he's got controls over all of them. And so at any given point, they can move slightly. And when someone thinks one's moving, then he steps out and surprises people. And it's hilarious to watch if you ever look up videos of living statues or pretend statues. Well, why do I share that? I share that because the reason those performers are unique is that they are fully alive, but they look like they're not. And I wonder how many people, when it comes to faith, they claim Jesus as Lord and Savior, they believe in God, but their life doesn't necessarily reflect their belief, you know? Sometimes outsiders maybe look into the church and they question, I don't know if I want what they want. I don't know if I want their life that they have. And so I wonder how many of us at times are like those living statues where we're just frozen a little bit. We claim one thing, like we claim faith, but we live in fear, right? We live hashtag blessed, but we are also broken, right? We have forgiveness, but we hesitate to forgive. And we have all these things. Well, today I wanna to talk this morning about what does it mean to have empowered worship? We're in a series entitled Empower University where we wanna help you take your faith to the next level. And so today we're gonna to spend time hearing from Scott, but we're, we're gonna take time to worship together. But you see, when it comes to worship, you actually don't need all the facts, feelings, and even faith to be ready to worship. Now that seems almost blasphemous that I just said you don't need all the faith. Here's what I mean though by those three things. First, you don't need all the facts to worship because when do you know everything, right? How often do you walk into a circumstance and you're just uncertain of the future? I don't know if my health is gonna change. I don't know what's gonna come of this relationship. I don't know what's gonna come of my job. And because we don't know the future, we're hesitant, we're hesitant to worship God and what we don't know. But thankfully, when there are situations that we don't know, we can focus and worship on who we do know. And so we can lean into that. Secondly, you don't have to wait till you have all the feelings. You don't have to be feeling it to worship. Now, I love worship because it, it connects your heart. It connects your soul with God. It transcends a moment, doesn't it? But what do you do when you don't feel it? Well, you don't wait for the feeling to worship. Instead, you worship out of obedience that ultimately will lead to that feeling. And even if you don't feel it per se, by walking in faithfulness and in obedience, it's worship to God. Because Jesus didn't come, it's not, it's not John 3, 16, where God said, for God so loved the world that he felt that God so loved the world that he gave. And then lastly, you don't even have to have all the faith to worship God. You know why? Because Jesus was talking to his disciples one time. And he said, if you have faith of a mustard seed, you can move the mountain. So I like to think that if you don't have a lot to give, 
Worship is just giving what you got. If you're at a one out of 10, can you give that one to God? Right? If you got nothingness to God, guess what? That means your hands are open. And what are open hands good for? Worship. And so if you're taking notes, I want, to, I want you to write this down, that worship is not just how you sing, but how you live. Now, music transcends, and I love that. It connects the heart. And I love that you guys are here and we study the word together, but I'm guessing that you guys don't go home and then replay the sermon over and over and over again. That would be cool, and it would inflate my ego if you did, but it doesn't happen, right? Sometimes we go home and we forget exactly what we just heard, don't we? But at the same time, how many of you have ever listened to a song that spoke to you and then you put that song on repeat for the week and it just and it nourished your heart and your soul, right? Music has a way of connecting at a deeper level. But worship, while music is important, in fact, the largest book in the in the Bible that we have, Psalms, is about music. Worship is so much bigger than that. And I want to show you just briefly throughout Scripture that it's not just about seeing, it's about living. See, in John chapter 10, Jesus says these words. He says, a thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have what? Life and have it abundantly. And then he clarifies even further. And in John 14, 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so we have a God who loves us, who came to give us life, who gave his own, who died on the cross, but rose again. And when he rose again, we can rise again. And because we sing, we don't, we don't memorialize a fallen leader. We sing to a living Savior. And that God is present with us in this room. So then we find out from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 5, he says that even when we were dead in our trespasses, not even when we were sick, not even when we were bad, but when we were dead in our trespasses, that he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. What does that mean? Well, in 1 Peter 1, 3, it says that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to what? A living hope through the resurrection of Christ Jesus from the dead. And so here we have a living Savior, a living God, who then makes us alive and gives us a living hope. And these verses are not just ancient literature. In fact, in, in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says this, for the word of God is living and active sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You start to see this picture of what worship is, don't you? That we have a living God who gives us a living faith, which then we worship into a living hope through the living word. And then we get this incredible verse in Romans chapter 12, verse one. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, Therefore, in light of this living God and living faith, living hope and living word, because our God is alive, because we sing to a risen, present, powerful Savior. It says, therefore, I appeal to you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as what? As a living sacrifice, 
holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Worship is so much more than what you sing or how you sing, it's how you live. It's the, it's the conversations, it's the thought life, it's the motivation, it's the actions. It's how you are in the workplace, in the home, in the car. That everything you do is an act of worship. And what I love about that is that you can give whatever is in your hand to him. That means when you're facing a storm, you can worship. When you're facing a struggle, you can worship. When you're walking through suffering, you can worship. Because you're not gonna have abundant life until you offer yourself as a living sacrifice. And so how you live, how you obey, how you follow speaks volumes. Because if you're in a storm or in suffering right now, I wanna encourage you today with this truth that an exhausted world doesn't need an echo of itself. We need an expression of eternity. See, when you're exhausted, when you're tired, we often turn to the things of the world, whether it's, it's mindless television or social media or drinking or, or other things of the world, which really is just an echo of itself, isn't it? But if instead of turning to the world, you gave your situation and your heart and your circumstance to God, and you worshiped and you praised. Do me a favor real quick. Just, just find your pulse. Find your pulse somewhere on your neck or wrist. I mean, you can help your neighbor if you want to. That's kind of weird. <laughs> okay. You feel that? Okay. If you have a pulse, you're ready to praise. Right? Because that very pulse. only comes because of God. And so instead of being exhausted and turning to echo of itself, we can actually worship and have an expression and an experience of eternity. So it's my honor and privilege to continue this morning to introduce and to bring back on stage a man who lives this out. His voice is incredible and you're gonna be inspired by his story and I'll let him share it with you, so I won't give too much away if you've never heard his story. But you wanna talk about overcoming and faithful and a life of worship? I can't think of a better person who is a living example of this to you and to me today than to my friend, Scott McIntyre. Can we give it up to Scott McIntyre for coming out today? Take it away, my friend. It's great to be here, Pastor John. Thank you so much for having us. And we also have my wife, Christina, is here, and uh, then we have Peter Drown on violin over here, and his wife, Kara, is over here as well. So thanks for, thanks for welcoming us into your church. It's, it means so much. Last time we were here was 2018, and uh, so it's, it's really sweet for us to be back. Would you all stand again, and we're going to continue in that, in that mode of, of worship as John was talking about. Oh 
It is well. 
Thank you so much that in the midst of suffering, we can be grateful, Lord. We can say it is well with my soul. Be with us during the remainder of this service, God. Would you speak to our hearts? Would you comfort us? Would you convict us? Would you lead us in your ways? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I was, I was born blind in case you didn't, uh, didn't realize, I am blind. Uh, but I've been blind since birth, and growing up there were certain things I couldn't do. I couldn't play baseball, I couldn't see when a girl was smiling at me from across the room. I could never drive a car. I have never driven a car to this day as far as anyone knows. But there were other things that I could do, and I tried to do them uh, really well. I, I learned to ride a bike without, uh, without sight, um, I learned to ski with a sighted guide. Go left, go right. No, I meant left. And that, that took some faith. I learned to read 
textbooks, uh, but a little bit differently than you might read a textbook. And this worked out so well that I began to believe that if I worked hard enough, if I got creative enough, I could overcome any obstacle that life threw my way. And in fact, I found myself giving the commencement speech to my graduating class at Arizona State University and got to, got to encourage everyone to go out and reach for their goals and reach for their dreams. And that was what I was excited to do in my own life. That was my picture of worshiping God. That's what I thought my future was going to look like, is using my gifts and talents to bring glory to God. And I finished that speech, walked out into the parking lot, and it was on that graduation day at that moment that I got a phone call which changed my life forever. That was the day, that was the moment I found out my kidneys were failing. And I didn't know what that meant as a 19-year-old. I just knew it meant my life was probably going to look very different from that point on than I thought it was going to look. And all of a sudden, here was a situation out of which I could not help myself in and of my own strength. It was going to take someone else outside of me stepping in to do what I could not do and save my life. I eventually got pretty ill and began dialysis. And it was a, a tough time for me. I couldn't really imagine what God was going to do next. But in that state, I was not able to sing very much at the piano. Some days I couldn't push enough air through my vocal cords to to do that for any length of time, and it felt like my dreams were dying. But then in the midst of that suffering, God did something amazing. The wife of my former piano teacher from college decided she was going to donate her kidney to me, and she saved my life. Her name is Patricia. And it was because of that gift of life that I, I got to, to continue letting God write this story. And he did continue to write the story. That's not where it ended. I probably would have been happy if that's where it ended. But he allowed me to go on American Idol. He, he allowed me to marry my wife, Christina. Um, he even allowed more suffering in my life. And after eight years with that first kidney transplant, I was put back on the waiting list for a second kidney transplant. And once again, entered this season of waiting to see what God would do in the midst of my suffering. God was teaching me a deeper lesson the second time around. You know, in life, we don't always get the kidney transplant. We don't always get the cure or the easy solution to the problem or the healed relationship this side of heaven. But God doesn't want you and me to wait until life is perfect to experience the joy that he has for us. We, we got to make uh, a television special last year during COVID, which is amazing. <clears throat> God allowed it to continue in the midst of that. But it's bringing hope to, to people who are feeling isolated, even now during this time. It's airing in new cities each month. But I wanted to show you a little clip of the trailer of this story. Watch this. If I wanted to go out with an American Idol. And I said, no, but I'll go out with Scott McIntyre. 
American Idol was an exciting time, but what excited me more were the doors that opened to connect with the hearts of others and encourage them in their struggles. A few weeks before our wedding, we found out that Scott would need a second kidney transplant. And I remember being angry at God and having those questions like, God, isn't blindness enough? Why kidney failure too? God was honestly taking me to a place of complete and total surrender and dependence on Him. I know that for me, it was a time of almost being forced to grow, and scriptures took on a new meaning. The glory of God could be seen in the ending of the suffering, the healing, but the works of God can also be seen during the suffering, before the healing. It's hard for me to completely wish away my disability when I've seen it encourage so many people. We're seeing children and adults leave our events with real hope to overcome addiction, depression, and even yeah. thoughts of suicide. I'm Scott McIntyre, and through the years, I've experienced all this and more. And while life is a journey and sometimes a struggle, it's not a road that I travel alone. I did receive a second successful kidney transplant, but the amazing thing was the second time around, it was an, an anonymous living donor who gave me that gift of life. It was someone I had never met, someone I had never done anything for that decided to step in and save my life. We did meet her six weeks later. She was 27 years old at the time. Uh, she has three wonderful kids. She's very much a single mother. Her name's Misty. Uh, but even out of all that, she gave more. She gave me the gift of life. And the cool thing is she not only gave me my life back, but because of her gift, my wife Christina and I now have a family. We have two wonderful children as well. Christian is four and a half, and Stella is eight months now. So we're very thankful for that. There is such a, a parallel for me between what happened to me with my health, with this struggle through kidney failure, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, just like I was powerless to save myself physically, until two times in my life someone stepped in to give me the gift of life, you and me, we are all powerless to save ourselves spiritually. We, we can't fix our sin problem. There's nothing we can do in and of ourselves there's no amount of work we can do. There's no amount of creativity we can bring to the table to reconcile ourselves to Almighty God who created us and who gets the last word. But Jesus stepped into creation, and he offers us so much more than a kidney. He offers us the greater gift of eternal life. Amen? You know, before my first kidney transplant, I have to be honest with you, I didn't really want a transplant. I was kind of resistant to the idea of it. You know, we like to kind of stay where we are. We like complacency. We, we don't like to take risks sometimes. And 
You know, talk about taking risks. Surgery is a risk. And I, I, I was comfortable. I didn't want to go beyond what I could see. I didn't want to venture into the unknown and just trust that it would work out okay. I was, I was resistant to this idea. I did not have a great quality of life on dialysis, relying on machines to keep me alive day by day, but it was a quality of life, and I reasoned if I were to undergo a kidney transplant, there was a very real risk, as there is with any surgery like that, I could lose my life altogether. But God wanted to walk me through the dark hour to let me experience the abundant life he had for me on the other side. And I'm so grateful that he did that. You know, for a little bit I felt in my own pitiful way like Jesus in the, in the garden as he began to feel the weight of what was about to happen to him later on the cross. Father, let this cup pass from me. But then in his grace, he gave me the strength to say the second part of that. Not my will, but your will be done, Father. But forget about me, you know, my two kidney donors. The fact that they were willing to sacrifice, believing that there was something better on the other side, that there was abundant life, that there was hope on the other side of this difficult circumstance was amazing. It wasn't hope for them, it was hope for me. We say we want to follow Jesus, but do we just want to follow him into, into glory, into his resurrection? He's promised us those things when we believe. But is that all it is, or do we, do we want to follow him? Are we willing to follow him into suffering? Are we willing to follow him into sacrifice? I love how Pastor John said it. If Jesus rose, you and I, we can rise too. And if your faith is placed in Jesus Christ, he means that spiritually, and he means that physically. There, there is a day when the creation will be made new. Uh, but that's yet to come. But it's also the reason we have so much hope now. It's the reason we can worship, because we're not, we're not focused on just the here and now. We're focused on here and now in light of eternity. That's the, that's the mystery of union with Christ, the mystery of being united to Christ as his church, as an individual believer. You know, just like he promises, he gives us a new spirit within us now, and we are a new creation. Paul talks about that in the present tense. He's going to actually do that physically in the future. And we will be resurrected just like Christ has been resurrected. And what a glorious hope that is. What a truth to stir our hearts to worship, even amidst suffering. And so this morning, maybe you've, maybe you've walked with Jesus a long time, and my prayer is, is that this is just an encouragement to you that this, this helps each of us, myself included, to refocus our lives. Maybe to refocus one area of our life that we've been resistant to lay down before Jesus, that we can, we can give that area of our life over to him. 
and piece by piece, area by area, day by day, we can surrender more fully to Christ and we can become more like our Savior. Maybe you're here today and you've never, you've just simply never expressed your dependence on God. You've never expressed your dependence on Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin and for that that reconciliation of, of your relationship with God. And there's nothing, there's nothing fancy to it. It's simply your, your recognition that you need a Savior and that Jesus is that Savior. And so I, I want to end before we, we end with a couple songs. I just want to take a moment to bow if we can close our eyes. I'll close my eyes too if it makes you feel better. And uh, first for, for everyone in the room, Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name you would impress upon our hearts areas of our lives where we need to we need to let go a little bit, where we need to become a little bit more dependent on you, Lord. You know us better than we do. You made us. And so we thank you that you, you walk us many times through those, uh, through those refinements with mercy, God. Thank you for your mercy. We know what we deserve, and we know how good you are in spite of that to us. Help us to refocus our lives, Lord. Help us to make Jesus the main thing, not just on Sunday, but every single day as we are ambassadors for Christ. And if you've never just expressed your dependence on God, you've never expressed your need for Jesus and told God, this is just between you and God, but you can do whatever helps you. You can pray this under your breath. You can pray it out loud, whatever helps you express this to God. And you want that hope that John is talking about. You want that hope that I'm telling you about this morning in the midst of crazy times in the world. This is just a moment of, of surrender to God. It's a moment you drive a stake in the ground and he's gonna give you that hope and that joy no matter what circumstance you face. You just pray, God, I am sorry for choosing my own way over your way. I believe that Jesus lived the perfect life in obedience to you that I could never live. That's an amazing thought. I believe that Jesus died the death that I deserved. And I believe that Jesus rose again, proving victory over death and giving me hope of eternal life as well. Place your Holy Spirit within me, God, and teach me to love you day by day. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did pray that this morning, don't leave without sharing with Pastor John or sharing with one of us up here. There's a lot of people around that would love to pray with you and pray for you as you, as you start that journey and walk alongside you. That's why we're in church here this morning. Imperfect and ashamed So desperate for I own. 
stand with us one more time. We're going to close and worship together. And I just want to mention we will be out uh, behind the wall with, uh, with books and CDs if you want to take a piece of it with you, a piece of the ministry with you, and t-shirts. I am Hope t-shirts, which I love as we reflect Christ to the world. But I wanted to, to tell you, you saw the clip of the TV special that we're, we're using to reach people for Christ during this time. Um, you don't have to worry about catching it on TV. We have a link that we'd be happy to send you so you can watch it, so you can share it with people. And um, if that's something that would be an encouragement to you to be able to, to hear more of, uh, of what God's doing in this story, or if you know someone in your life that you want to share it with, just come on by the table and um, you can write down your phone number and email and we'll be sure to get it to you and that you can watch it. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin Lost without hope and no place to begin Your love made a way to let mercy come 
Rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then, but then Jesus arose with our freedom in hand. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Oh, oh your grace. So
Well, amen, amen. Can we give one more round of applause for Scott and his team?